0: Good evening. Well, welcome to Genesis. Uh, my name is Mike, and I'm the pastor here. And at Genesis, we believe in having open doors and open hearts. And so hopefully when you came through the door tonight, you felt comfortable and invited. And I uh, also hope that you came with an open heart uh, because you've been prayed and prepared for throughout the week. And so we're glad you're here. And so uh, tonight, well, first of all, last week I talked about how uh, we wanted to give you guys opportunities to grow your faith outside of this room this year. And so we we announced a, a discipleship initiative that some of you have already taken advantage of, which is incredible. Uh, basically, we just uh, partner you with someone older within the church. You meet once a week for six weeks and they help you grow in areas that you want to grow in. And so, like I said, some of you have already taken advantage of that and it, that's incredible. And so that's what we talked about last week. We announced that. Um, and I know we had mentioned that we had three things to, to announce to you guys this month. And so that was the first one. And so the second one, um. Uh. Is 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 something else that we have to to show you tonight? Uh, because I know as a as a young adult, uh, there are a lot of questions, and I know that there are a lot of questions about life. There's a lot of questions about God. Um. And, and so at Genesis, we don't want to pretend like we have every answer. But what we want, what we do want to do is is help you uh, walk and uh, walk with you while you figure out what those answers are and to help you and equip you while you answer those big questions of life. And so over the break, we put together a resources page for you uh, that you can find at genesis.guide. It's actually gonna be on the, the screen. I'm gonna kind of walk you through uh, everything that it's got tonight. So again, that's genesis.guide. And so on the website, you're gonna find like great tools and great uh, ways to, to like I said, to, to kind of answer those big questions of life and to kind of equip you for the things that you're gonna face. And so the first thing we have is, I don't know if you guys know this, but every message that we have on a Tuesday night is recorded and we have a podcast on uh, on uh, Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Um, and so, yeah, you can keep scrolling. This is, the, this is the biggest part of this that I'm excited about. So we're launching a new podcast called Genesis Continued. And so basically what this is, is uh, I knew that there are, Topics, really important topics in your life uh, that we probably wouldn't do a series on here at Genesis. But, like I said, they're important topics and topics that need to be addressed. And so, this is what this podcast is going to do. And so, it's basically 15 minutes long per episode, and we're just going to be rolling out episodes uh, over over the year, uh, depending on what the topic is and what might be relevant at the time. Uh, and so, basically, I just interview somebody who specializes in that topic. And so, for example, that may be like dating or finances or making decisions or identity and things like that. So I'm really excited about that. And we actually have an intro episode that you can you can listen to now. You can go in there and subscribe or go to Spotify or whatever you do. However you listen to podcasts, that's how you can do it. Um, and so we're really excited about that. I think that's going to be really useful for you guys. And like I said, 15 minutes or less, right? So that's a, there's going to be a lot of wisdom and a lot of information in that 15 minutes. So yeah, you can keep scrolling. Um, we also have... Uh, we're calling it things to think about, and so I know you got a lot of concerns, um, and so these are things to think about when you're uh, thinking about these concerns in your life. Like what to ask yourself when making a big decision, what to ask yourself when you're thinking about getting married, what to ask yourself when you're thinking about moving out. Uh, these are co- these are basically out of conversations that I have with you guys all the time, and and this is something that we can build upon too. And so yeah, you can keep going. Um, We also have uh, a Bible FAQ as well. And so when you're reading the Bible and you have a question about how something may be formatted or organized or or you have a question like, man, do all these Old Testament uh, commands, do they still apply to us today? Like questions like that that you may think about a lot, you can probably find there. And we also have a, a really good worship and prayer playlist for you as well. And so we're really excited about that. And again, you can go to genesis.guide, you can find all of that whenever those needs arise. Uh, but like we said, we wanna do all we can to equip you guys um, and really to do all we can to point you to Jesus because that's, that's, what we're, that's what we're here to do. And so I believe this is something that does just that. So just as in the discipleship program, it's something that is available to you, this is the same thing. This is something that is now available to you. So again, that's Genesis.Guide. So with that said, we're going to jump into the message for tonight. Does that sound good? You guys like that? All right. Let me pray, and then we'll jump in. God, I thank you so much for tonight. I thank you for uh, the opportunity that it is to, to gather together with a, a body of believers, God. And we have one goal tonight, and that is to see you glorified. And so, God, I thank you for your word. God, I pray that it would speak tonight, that your voice would be louder than my own. And God, I pray tonight that we would be closer to you on the way out than we were coming in. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Awesome. So tonight we are continuing our series "Church on the Loose," and this is week two. and, and I love this idea of being the church on the loose because oftentimes we treat our or uh, we treat the church like a, a Christian zoo, where we keep captive what was meant to be in the wild, uh, where you know the spirit of God is is alive in us, but we are often caged within four walls, within four worship songs, and usually a, a four week series, when God intended, when Christ intended for his church, for his body, to be so much more than that, that we have put ourselves on short leashes when he wants us to be on the loose. And don't get me wrong, attending church is a necessity for a follower of Jesus, but when we settle for giving Jesus just an hour or two a week, we're settling for something so small. So let me read you this quote by Dorothy L. Sayer. She's a Christian writer. This is what she says. She says, we have efficiently paired the claws of the Lion of Judah, talking about Jesus, certified him meek and mild, and recommended him as a fitting household pet for feeble priests and religious old ladies. In other words, we've taken this undomesticated, untamable God, and we've treated him like a house cat. And so throughout this month, we're gonna be looking at how to be the church on the loose, how to be a follower of Jesus on the loose, Last week we talked about the importance of of owning our faith for ourselves, and tonight we're gonna be talking about the importance of fighting for others. And so if you wanna kinda think about this series in a a way of like concentric circles, where last week we, we talked about you as an individual, and then tonight we're opening that circle up a little bit and talking about friends, those close to you, and then next week we're gonna open that up a little bit further and talk about those more outside of our reach. So tonight, let me ask you a question to bring you into the conversation. Is your life pointing others to Jesus? Is your life pointing others to Jesus? Your friends, your co workers, your classmates, those closest to you, is your life pointing them closer to Jesus or is it pointing them away? That's something to think about as we move forward. So if you would, go ahead and turn to Mark chapter 2. And while you're turning to Mark 2, I'm going to give you some context to the story that we're gonna read tonight. So again, that's Mark chapter two. The book of Mark is, is one of the accounts of the life of Jesus. Uh, it's actually the shortest account. Uh, I've heard Mark referred to as the newspaper version of the life of Jesus. Nowadays, we'd probably call it the Twitter version of the life of Jesus. It's short, it's sweet, it's to the point, and, uh, and it lacks a lot of detail that some of the other uh, accounts give us. Uh, and so for example, in Matthew two and Luke two, Jesus is uh, still a baby, but in Mark chapter two, he's already grown and started his ministry. And so in Mark chapter two, we see that Jesus has just got home from a trip. He's been out uh, preaching and healing people. And so because of that, some, uh, some, uh, I would say some word has spread about him. His name is getting out there because of what he's been doing. So let's pick up the story in verse uh, one. So this is uh, Mark two, one through two. And this will set the stage for tonight. And when he returned to Capernaum, talking about Jesus, after some days, it was reported that he was at home. And many were gathered together so that there was no more room, not even at the door. And he was preaching the word to them. Okay, so like I said, this sets the stage for tonight. So we see that Jesus returns home after a trip, like we said, and word has got out that he was there. And so, yes, Jesus had a house. A lot of times he gets referred to as homeless, which is true, But he had yet to leave this house. He would eventually leave that house behind when he started permanently traveling around and ministering to people. But at this point, he had yet to leave because this was the beginning of his ministry. And so it says that many people gathered together in this house, so many people, in fact, that there was no more room inside. And so you guys know how this can be, right? You ever pull up to a restaurant and you see people waiting outside? What do you do immediately? You turn to the person you're with and you say, uh, oh, do you wanna go somewhere else? <laughs> right, because it's so crowded. And so there's like people waiting outside, there's no room. And so, and so could you imagine that that many people, right, max capacity in this house? It, it, there's a fire marshal sign over there. I forgot to look at. Can you guys see how many people are allowed in this room at once? You, 225. Okay, so you could imagine 225 people in this room, right? That would be insane. That's the max capacity. And so this house uh, was filled to the door of people in uh, max capacity, like I said, and, and Jesus had just returned back from a trip, probably ready to relax, probably ready to uh, have some downtime, just got home, and there's all these people there. And what do we see Jesus doing? He's preaching the word to them. And I believe this speaks so much to the character of Jesus, that the patience, the hospitality, the willingness to welcome these people in when he was probably ready to relax, and probably very tired. So let's keep reading and we'll see what happens. This is starting in verse three. And they came, bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men. And when they could not get near him because of the crowd, they could not, uh, yeah, when they could not get near him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. And when they had made an opening, they let down the bed on which the paralytic lay. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven, and so we see that while Jesus is preaching, while this house is crowded to max capacity, there's this group of five men, one of which is a is a paralyzed, one of which is a paralytic, and these men they approach the house, and what do they notice? They notice that it's completely packed, and they realize there is no chance that they're going to get to Jesus by the door. And so, what do they do? They don't get discouraged. They don't turn around and go home. They don't say, "Oh well, maybe next time." No. They climb onto the roof, which is like almost like humorous, right? Like that's almost comical. These guys are like, oh, we can't get through the door? Let's just climb up on the roof. And so they climb up on the roof, rip part of the roof off, and then start lowering their friend down into the house. And so, I mean, could you imagine this scene, right? Jesus is speaking to this large crowd, and then all of a sudden the roof opens up. Where would everybody's eyes go, right? You start looking up, right, when the when the roof comes open and the sunlight's coming in, and all of a sudden they're like, oh, what's going on? Oh wow, there's a man being lowered into the house. And so this man has gone from he's paralyzed, he's on his mat, he's just got carried onto the roof, and now before he knows it, he's right at the feet of Jesus. And what does Jesus do? It says that when Jesus saw their faith, he says, Son, your sins are forgiven. And it is clear that nothing was gonna stop these men from getting their friend in front of Jesus. They said, we know we can't do anything about it, but we know who can, and so we're gonna do whatever it takes to get him there. And I love that it says that when Jesus saw their faith, not when Jesus saw their pulley system, not when Jesus saw their teamwork, not when Jesus saw their creativity, they surely had all of those things, but it was their faith that stood out. In the eyes of Jesus, faith shines brighter than anything else. And so for you, when you have a friend who needs Jesus, and I I mean that in all senses, you know, whether they need Jesus because they don't know him at all, or maybe they do know Jesus and they just have been just kind of just dealing with life. Right, do you ever have a friend that's just walking through some struggles? Maybe they're sad or angry or depressed or just, maybe they just had a rough day. What is stopping us from bringing that friend to Jesus? What kind of faith do we have if, if, if we don't do all that we can to point people to Jesus when they need him the most? Does it not communicate weak faith when we don't think it's worth it to pray and, and, uh, and give and sacrifice and help the people that, in our life that we know need it the most? And I'm preaching to myself strongly tonight, because, I, and I always do, but at, at times more than others. And this is one of those times that if the God that we claim is loving, and if the God that we claim is caring, and if the, the God that we claim is compassionate, then we should follow suit. Wouldn't it have been highly selfish for these men to know that Jesus could help their paralyzed friend, but then did nothing to help him? Wouldn't it have been selfish selfish for them to know what Jesus could do and then, and then they do nothing to help him, right? It's so clear that these men knew that, listen, there's nothing we can do, but we know who can, and so we're gonna do whatever it takes to get him there. And so for us, we may not be able to fix our friend's circumstances, we may not be able to fix their situation, but we can bring them to the one who can. We can remove the roof, we can pray for them, we can point them to scripture, we can intercede for them. Has someone ever asked you to pray for them? Like, hey, hey, you know, hey man, can you pray, me, pray for me because of this? Or pray for me because of that? And what do you say? Oh, yeah, totally, I'll pray for you. And then what happens? Uh, you maybe forget, right? What would happen if someone said, hey, can you pray for me? And you say, hey, let's pray right now. Let's pray right now. Because I know me, and I might walk away here, and I may never do it. I may forget. But what if we said, let's pray right now? Or when you know someone is walking through struggles and uh, walking through a tough situation, what would happen if you just said, hey, I'm gonna send them an encouraging text. I'm gonna share a verse with them. Those are just simple examples of what it's like to be the church when you're not in church. And so I would encourage you, when you have those friends, remind them of hope, remind them of grace, remind them that they're loved. And we can bring people to Jesus when they feel like they can't do it for themselves. And if we want to be the church on the loose, We've gotta be willing to extend a hand and we've gotta be willing to go out of our way. We've gotta be willing to remove the roof and point people to Jesus. Let's keep reading. This is uh, Mark 2, 6. Now some of the scribes were sitting there questioning in their hearts. Why does this man speak like that? He is blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And immediately Jesus, perceiving in his spirit that they thus questioned within themselves, said to them, why do you question these things in your hearts? Which is easier, to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say, rise, take up your bed, and walk? And so after this took place, some, some scribes or some Pharisees, these highly religious people, they'd immediately started questioning the whole thing. Right? They're thinking, how can Jesus say things like that? How can he say that his sins are forgiven? That's blasphemy. Nobody can forgive sins but God. You know that game when you, That you play when you were a kid, when you were trying to find something or guess something, and the person would say colder, colder, or they would say warmer, warmer. You guys know what I'm talking about? That's how I felt reading this. They're thinking, who can do this but God alone? And I'm thinking, warmer, warmer. Who can do this but God alone? Exactly. He can do it because he's God. But, of course, they don't believe that. And notice that these are things that the Pharisees are just thinking. They're not saying this out loud, but Jesus is sitting over here reading their minds, understanding their hearts, and so he asked them, why do you question what just took place? What is easier, to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say, rise, take up your bed, and walk? He's saying, because when I just say, oh, your sins are forgiven, you have no way to know that they really are, right? That's an invisible miracle. That's an invisible action. But what he was about to do to prove that he was God to them, he was about to do a visible miracle. Think about that, right? If someone came in here with a broken leg and I said, oh, your sins are forgiven, would anybody believe me? No, but if someone said, your leg's fixed, (laughs) your leg's healed, all of a sudden you're like, okay, wow, whatever you just said about my sins might have some credibility to it, right? Let's keep reading. This is Mark 2, 10 through 12. This is how the story ends tonight. But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed, and go home. And he rose and immediately picked up his bed and went out before them all, so that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, we never saw anything like this. So Jesus tells the Pharisees, okay, so, so that you know that I have authority from God, watch this. And so he turns his attention from the Pharisees, turns his attention back to the paralyzed man on his mat, and I'm sure all eyes are on what is happening, even the four friends still hanging out on the roof, looking down at what's happening. And and he tells the man, he says, rise, pick up your bed and walk, get up and walk. The man immediately stands up with strengthened legs, and he picked up his mat, and he heads out of the house, and it says that all these people started glorifying God and start, they were just amazed and they were saying, man, we've never seen anything like this. And I feel like we can learn so many lessons from what the four friends did. Getting their friend to Jesus at any cost and then seeing him heal. And that's such an amazing story. But I feel like we can, learn, we can also learn some things from the paralytic as well. Because I'm sure, though, we have friends who, needed, who need to be pointed to Jesus. Sometimes we can find ourselves as the one on the mat. That we're stuck on our, our mat of sin or our mat of shame, mat of brokenness or guilt or apathy, right? You, you, you know Jesus, and, and maybe you come to church, but you still feel held back by something. You still feel held down by something. If you feel that way tonight, I want you to know that you've been set free by the blood of Jesus, You've been set free by the blood of Jesus, that you were once the paralytic on the mat, but you have been told to get up and walk. But so often, we live our lives like we're still on the mat. So often, we live our lives like we're still paralyzed. And notice the paralytic, right? When he got healed, he didn't talk back to Jesus and say, no, you don't understand. I'm too paralyzed. I've been paralyzed for too long. I can't get up. I don't think my legs can handle it. No, he sa- it says, the, the scripture says immediately he got up, his legs were strengthened, and he walked out proud on his own two feet for the first time in his life, like I'm free. I got my life back. And when this man took off out of the house, what did it cause people to do? It caused them to glorify God. This man's healing was a big arrow pointing to Jesus. So I wanna tell you tonight, Whatever is keeping you on the mat, whether it be sin, whether it be disappointment, whether it be unmet expectations, whether it be tough circumstances, I want you to know that it has been paid for, it has been defeated, and that there is grace for you, there is hope for you in Jesus Christ, and you are loved. And we may have started on the mat, but we are not there anymore. So I would encourage you tonight, get up and walk. Get up and live Get up and preach. Get up and act. Get up and make a difference. We've got the light of the world living inside of us, and our life needs to start pointing to that light in everything that we do. Our life needs to start pointing to Jesus in everything that we do. You have been individually forgiven and individually saved and individually healed. But now it's time to get up off the mat and start pointing other people to Jesus. Start bringing other people to the healing that you found, to the salvation that you found, to the forgiveness and the grace and the mercy that you found. Jesus went above and beyond for us, and so we should go above and beyond for others. He did whatever it took, and so we should do whatever it takes. Let's start removing the roof for people. I don't want us to be obstacles to anyone trying to get to Jesus. I want to make that path to Jesus as clear as possible. And maybe, just maybe, the people that see us will say, we've never seen anything like that. If you would, stand with me. We're going to close tonight a little different. If you need to get off the mat tonight, this is your chance to do that. If you need to bring someone to Jesus tonight, this is your chance to do that. And so what I want us to do tonight during the response time is I wanna encourage you to find the people that you're close with, find the people that you're here with. Get in circles of maybe two, three, four people, however many you want. And I encourage you to pray over, pray over one another. To express, hey, this is, this is maybe what I'm going through. You don't have to get too detailed if you don't know the people that well. And if you're new or if you're uncomfortable with praying, that's fine. But still, join a group anyway. And i encourage you tonight. This is an opportunity for you. If you know you've been sitting on your mat for too long, this is your opportunity to get off the mat and get up and walk and get up and act. And if tonight you know you got a friend next to you, you know you have a friend that, that needs, uh, needs a, a touch of Jesus in their life, that maybe needs some encouragement, needs a hug for crying out loud. Hugs are powerful, amen? Let's bring them to Jesus tonight. And the last thing I wanted to say is that as you leave here tonight, I want you to know that you don't have to be at church to do this. We're at church, but you don't have to be at church to do this. As you leave here tonight, know that this can be a lifestyle of pointing people to Jesus. This can be a lifestyle of removing the roof for people, a lifestyle of praying, helping, encouraging those around you. This is what it looks like to be the church on the loose. Let me pray for you. God, I thank you so much for the fact that though we were once on the mat, God, you've told us to get up and walk. God, we've been healed, we've been redeemed, and we've been empowered by your spirit. And God, we don't want to be caged down anymore. We don't want to be held back anymore. And so God, I pray tonight that those of us who, are feel, who feel stuck on our mat, God, I pray that we would get up. And those of us in here tonight, God, that know somebody that needs to be brought to Jesus, God, I pray that we would do whatever it takes. That we would remove the roof. That we would get creative. Whatever it takes to get them to you. So sometimes, Jesus, we got... We gotta have friends to bring us to you, God, when we can't feel like when we feel like we can't do it ourselves. So God, I pray over this prayer time, God, that there would be walls broken down, that we would see chains fall, that we would see freedom tonight, and seeing what it's like to be the church when we're not in church. In Jesus' name. Amen.